Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And you're checking out Lance Williams and Neil Kulong on November 9th, 2002. What's up, Big Neil? It's a, it's a gorgeous day, Lance. Hopefully, uh, weather-wise, better where you are than where I am. But um, we are post-election. No more ads. We're excited about that. And, hey, you know what? The Steelers play this weekend. That uh, it usually is a good thing. If, if nothing else, we are excited about the prospect of watching our team play football again. How much fun that's been this season remains to be seen. But for me, football is football. So I'm, I'm doing well. And we got a great show for you guys. We're going to jump into a mid-season report uh, for the Steelers, as well as we're going to break down the upcoming matchup against the other black and gold team, the Southern variety, the New Orleans Saints, with saintswire.usatoday.com. And if you want to join the program and the experience, as always, you can join us on YouTube by doing a search for the new standard. You can also go to any podcast feeder and do a search for Steelers and the new standard. So let's jump right into it, Neil, with this midseason report. And I kind of lifted this idea for this show ju- just from, from some from some different people um, and, and kind of, you know, kind of put my little spin on it. But I always think it's a good time at the bye week to kind of, you know, take a look back at what you saw previously. I don't know if we did it that much in the last show. So I wanted to jump into it right now. So I want to start off uh, and ask you a couple of questions and, and, and I'll jump on the back half of those. So number one, what's the biggest disappointment in your opinion so far with this season? Um, I, I would probably say the overall play of the defensive line. Um, I, I expected a bit more overall than what uh, we've been getting and it really kind of seems to be at this point that they're going to go as far as uh, Cam Hayward can take them. And Cam has played a, a couple outstanding games and was not really bolstered by a whole lot around him. Um, Larry Ogunjobi suffering an injury uh, during his best game in Pittsburgh so far certainly doesn't help, but they're not getting great play in the middle. Montrevious um, Adams and um, the, the, the fairly quickly demoted Tyson Alualu haven't really uh, paid a lot of dividends right now. They're not getting great play out of Chris Wormley. I, I expected that group to be better. Honestly, I don't think I'm disappointed anywhere else just because I don't think that any of them are, are playing at a level that, that's substantially below uh, what I thought they would be, either individually or collectively. Meaning, like the run game, for example, I didn't expect the run game to be all that good. Run game hasn't been all that good, but it's not far off of, of what my my expectation for them was. I thought the Steelers' defensive line were playing a bit better than they have. I, I was excited about that unit going into this season. I think when I'm talking about the biggest disappointments, I, I'm going to couple well, – well, well, mine, I, I think, plays into yours. And, and I think it's the performance of the secondary. And, you know, typically a lot of times your defensive line play will impact how your secondary plays. Uh, one of the biggest disappointments or the most disappointing thing for me is, is the performance of that secondary. And I know they've had some injuries, but I believe they've given up the most big plays in the passing game in the National Football League. And I know that's not just the fault of the secondary, that it all works together, pressure bus pipes, you're getting a good pass rush, you're getting good pass rush. 
Um, it's going to impact your secondary and your ability to cover. You're going to be able to cover well um, and better. But that secondary just gives up big plays. It gives up a bunch of big plays. And we saw that going into the bye week against Philadelphia as Philadelphia was able to just throw it over their heads repeatedly. Now, we have seen Witherspoon be injured, uh, Wallace be injured, uh, Minka's been banged up, Edmonds has even been out. Uh, but I thought this secondary would be a little bit better. In terms of a secondary disappointment, I would agree with you, Neil, um, with the defensive line and just their ability to get pressure. They don't get pressure, and I think they're last in the National Football League in sacks. I'll say no, they're not last. They're like seventh. Um, they're maybe like 25th in sacks. They only have 14 sacks this year, and this is a team, of course, that's impacted by T.J. Watt, but this is a team that's had plus 50 over the last five years. So let me jump into uh, question two. Is this disappointment correctable? Uh it- I, I would say yes. I mean, it's going to have to be for obvious reasons. They're they're not playing well. They're they're there to correct these things. I, I think that they can. Um, I'm wondering though, after watching eight games of it, what the ceiling is. If we want to talk about literal improvement, sure, you you can improve. But the question is, is this going to be deck chairs on the Titanic as far as the the overall uh, issues that they have, particularly uh, within their defense? Keep in mind, last year they got progressively worse and they fell apart at about the two-thirds mark of, of last season. Uh, did they do enough to avoid that? I think they drafted DeMarvin Leal with, with the idea in mind that he'd be able to help them um, it, at the trickier point of the season. They tried to get younger with Adams and in, in, in demoting Alu-Alu. I don't know how well that move has paid off. Cam Hayward, the amount of snaps and the amount of, of uh, effort that he's had to put in he covers the field like a defensive back. I, how, how long is he going to be able to, to keep that up? Are we going to see another complete and total downfall uh, start on defense, starting with their defensive line? It, the prospect of that is it, it, it looms. It's there. Um, I think they can improve. I think they have to tighten up like anything. They take care of their run fits. That's usually the first thing they're going to tell you that they, they want to do, that they want to establish every game. Um, and they need to, as you said, uh, put some pressure in there to help a, a flailing secondary right now, too. I would challenge that by saying uh, the, the, the pressure, generally speaking, it is, it, of course, it's down. T.J. Watt isn't on the field. He's a defensive player of the year. You had him for seven and a half games. That's not going to increase when he's gone. You expect that to increase when Watt is there, and you hope that the opportunities uh, that Watt will help create for defensive linemen for uh, Terrell Austin in scheming up their defense, you hope that his presence will be able to give them a, a bit of a boost. So I, I would expect it to increase. Um, I, I'm i worried about how much it's going to. How much of an impact will Watt have? Will he stay healthy the entire time? Plain and simple, this defense doesn't play well if he's not on the field. We've, we've seen it time and time again now. I, I'm worried about that more than anything, Lance. What What is the height that Watt's going to provide? Is it going to be enough? Uh, for them to to compete in games again, Spud Webb, <laughs> Spud Webb might be the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, that's that's unfortunately. <laughs> I I don't know how much. I don't know. I I think the the, I think their basement 
is closer to where they are right now than their ceiling is, but I don't think the ceiling is especially high either. So this is really going to come down to Watt on the field, isn't it? Where, where Watt's going to be. Um, we want to make him out to be Superman because we've seen him do physically, you know, amazing things on the field throughout his career that wears you down over time. It, it's, it's harder and harder to continue to stay at that level. He hasn't played now. Um, what, what's the fatigue factor going to be? What's his game conditioning going to be like right away? You worry about these things. If he is going to be the catalyst for everything, is he going to be raring to get on the field and physically able to go uh, at his 100%? I, we don't know that. We'll find out Sunday. But as of now, it, it has to remain a question mark. You know, it feels like um, hopefully they've worked him back in a smart way because you know how, you know, that dreaded hamstring is just sitting right around the corner. When a guy comes back after injury, it's a pull, yep. it's a pop, it's a something. Hey, and and you remember last there. year, he missed training camp, and, and he he popped his hammy early in that first game. Well, it was first game, wasn't it? He went yeah, out. He was out was. by halftime of that game. So, I yeah, he was. You have to worry about that. It, it's you don't your body does not get better at playing football by not playing football. So with that, you, you have to worry about his physical conditioning. It's not what he does in a weight room. It's what he's doing on the field. That's how he got hurt in the first place. He's so violent. He is so explosive. There are only so many of those movements your body is able to take. And if it's not in that shape and you're back too early or you're not sure if he's pushing himself, trying to be He-Man to get back on the field early because his team needs him, it, it's admirable, but it might not help if he does something else that's going to keep him out for two to three weeks. I'm worried about that because they're, they're not going to take him off the field. He's not going to allow them to take him off the field. I just hope he's ready for it. Now, in terms of my disappointment in terms of the pass defense, when I'm looking at yards per attempt right now, the Steelers rank 31st in the National League at seven and a half. Only Detroit is worse at 7.8. In the last three, the Steelers have been uh, had a number of 7.4. Of course, in the last game against Philadelphia, it was 9.7. Uh, <laughs> the interesting stat here is in away games, it's 8.0. In a home game, 6.5. It's a oh. yard and a half difference. They're, and they're in 2021, away games against Philadelphia and Buffalo, though. That, that yes, a lot yes. of teams have bad away games yes. at Buffalo and at Philadelphia. Let's and it got fair. skewed. And um. And so last year was 6.7. I, I mean, I think the disappointment is correctable. I, I think you can only play better. I mean, you can't continue to play almost NFL worst, or you probably won't continue to play NFL worst 7.5 yards per attempt. I mean, you have to get a little bit better. I think the schedule isn't as tough on the backside, so they may get some aid from their schedule. I mean, they're playing the Saints this week, and that's going to definitely help your yards per attempt unless Chris Olave goes off. But, you know, again, like you said, what's their ceiling? Is their ceiling 6.7 yards per attempt like last year? Is it six yards per attempt? Um, I, I don't think it's towards a league best of, you know, 5.8 or 5.5 Um you know, I, I think in their attempt to be the New York Jets, a team that wins with tough defense, dominant uh, defensive line play and, and with the stud secondary, I just think they've come up short in that regard. But I do think that it is correctable because, hell, it shouldn't get any worse. Let me jump into this third one before we jump into our interview with uh, Saints Wire. And maybe we'll um, jump into some of these again 
um, on Sunday. Uh, what would mark a successful second half of the season? It could be anything, record, development of a player, you pick it. I think it, it's it, – you just said it. Um, pretty much everyone's going to point to the development of Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett – people don't like this, but the, the reality is the Steelers' record, by and large, is going to rise and fall based on Pickett's ability to figure out what he is seeing defensively and uh, react to that in real time to make plays down the field. I understand, and anybody who's watched the show knows that we are – did not exactly cast our votes for Matt Canada. Okay. We, it's not just that though. There are opportunities on the field that Pickett is, is leaving. Plenty. There are situations in which he needs to be a lot better than he has been. In other words, I don't want to throw the bucket of cold water on people, but this ain't just Canada. Okay. It, it's not just about the overall direction of an offense, which isn't good. Uh, regardless though, when there's an open receiver on the field and your quarterback continuously is missing it, that's not on the offensive coordinator. That's on the quarterback. Okay. Kenny Pickett is not plugged into a console. Matt, Matt Canada is not controlling him on the field, telling him where to throw the ball. He has to be able to see what's there. That's how an offense works. Pickett is not doing that. Pickett is not playing well. Pickett has not played well. He hasn't played a good game yet overall. In, in my opinion, he's a rookie. He's, you know, new to the league, he's 20th overall, blah, 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 blah. The, the fact is, he's not getting the job done. He's got nine games. They're going to ride or die with him, which is fine. I have no issue with that. But he has to play a lot better because if he doesn't, they're going to be drafting in the top five. And at that point, there is nothing that tells me he should be your guy. <laughs> okay. Why? You just gave him an extended tryout and he was bad. Plain and simple, he was bad. If they're dropping in the top five, I promise you, Kenny Pickett did not play well. There's no way to avoid that. If that's the case, you're looking for another guy, in, in, in my opinion. If you're going to have that high of a draft pick, and now you've got very likely two other picks in the top 40 to address other needs that you have, as well as a whole other draft after a whole free agency period with cap space, there's a lot of different ways that, that they can address the problems that they have. But if they're, if, if they're drafting in the top five, they don't have a quarterback. And that's going to have to be addressed. I don't. I'm not going to bet on that. But to me, it, it really it, everything comes down to Pickett. I, I agree with you. I think um, his development is what you're looking at, and which is going to be the key to this treading, sexy tanking rebuild plan. Because I don't think Steeler Nation cares whether it's Pickett or somebody else. They just want the next guy. And if the rebuild means you got to draft another quarterback to find the guy, and it isn't Pickett. And then that guy becomes very good and you're good in two to three years. Nobody's going to care because the Steelers will get off Kenny Pickett, get some compensation for him and, and keep it moving. And I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think there's a confusion at times in terms of offensive coordinators, what they do, their impact, their importance. Because like you said, if you look at the all 22, there's stuff there. There's stuff and there's stuff that Canada is doing and calling concepts to attack certain coverages and certain scenarios and times in the game that are spot on that Kenny Pickett is missing. But the other part of the coaching part is where people should be concerned is that is Matt Canada training Kenny Pickett to see that stuff? You know, what what's that part of coaching when he comes to the field? Is he identifying it? Is he seeing it? Because the play concept is one thing, doing it on the field is another, trying to get from the blackboard 
to the grass. And, and that's going to be the challenge, I think, for Kenny Pickett. And so I think a successful second half for Kenny Pickett would be just more consistent play, less turnovers, being able to seem functional in an offense. Of course, you want to win games, but you want to see some more consistency, drive to drive, play to play. But let's bring in. We got we our, got some news first, Lance. Okay, I break in with this really quick. Uh, it's announced just by the team now. The Steelers signed kicker Matthew Wright from the the Chiefs practice squad uh, after releasing Nick Skibo, who kicked in in uh, place of Chris Boswell before the bye. That move strongly indicates that Boswell is not going to be ready to go Sunday against the Saints. Right kick for them last year, you might recall, but probably more than anything, he had a 59-yard field goal at, at the end of expir- at the end of, of regulation in London against the Raiders to win a game for the, the Jaguars last year. Very exciting moment. Um, <clears throat> very cool. That's what we remember Matthew Wright for. He has kicked with the team before, and now he is back. Uh, that probably means Boswell... Uh, not expected to play as the Steelers ramp up practice in preparation for their week. What was it? 10 week, 10 game. Somebody don't help me get out. me counting week, wrong. nine or 10 game <laughs> uh, in Pittsburgh. It's against the Saints. It's week. And, 10. and with that, I'm going to bring in John as well. Lance, if that is all right with you, we have with us the guy we like to call the man, the myth, the legend saints wire editor, John Sigler who also happens to be like a 34-star chef in his own right, but a, a phenomenal writer, a great follow in social media. <laughs> Please welcome John Sigler to the show. John, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic today, man. Thank, th- I really appreciate the intro there. That, that's some high praise. Um, uh, appreciate that, and uh, glad to be on with you all this morning. You, you earned every second of it. We're going we're gonna to jump right in, though. Uh, hit you up with this. Steelers and Saints games tend to be um, uncomfortable ones for the Steelers. They have a little bit of trouble with the Saints. Andy Dalton being on the field gives, I think, Steelers fans a little bit of confidence going into this. How how say you in all of this? This is really kind of a mediocre matchup here, isn't it? Yeah, the Saints are in a bad spot right now. Um, I think they they picked the wrong year to go all in, um, considering the quarterback situation. You know, n- neither Andy Dalton nor Jameis Winston are very good options uh, for this football team. Um, and where they're at right now, it, it's kind of like, well, w- which one of them is hurting the team less? And as far as that goes, Dalton, you know, he's turning the ball over less often. He, he is still giving it away now. Now uh, he he will absolutely throw just a boneheaded interception. But he's not throwing two or three of them, and it's it, with frequency. So, you know, it's kind of like we're um, mitigating the, the damage here. Um, so neither of them are very appealing. But you look at it, you know, at least Dalton, he, he can throw to Alvin Kamara. He can convert third downs. He can keep the offense on schedule. And that's been enough for the Saints to win a couple of games here. Now, John, you're, there's a little bit of pressure here. Because one of our listeners, Double H, said, if your prediction is wrong and they're assuming you're going to pick the Saints, then you need to don your John Sigler. You should see some of the stuff he makes and make us some po'boys. So that's the challenge if your prediction is incorrect. But going into this game, 
who's is Andy Stalton still going to be the starter after the struggles of the offense against Baltimore? Is it clearly Andy's show to run for the next of the year? I think we have like on a seven second delay here or something. <laughs> Are you there, John? John, you still there, buddy? You're on mute, if that helps. It's the Steelers' offensive responses. So, let's John, do if you this. can hear us, you're on mute right now. The yeah, if you can hear mute, us, you're on I, did, mute. Did we do that? Uh, I did not do there, that. I'll unmute him. No, their mic isn't connected. Um, here, I'll tell you what. I think we're having technical difficulties here we're going to try to get john back in a second but um let's go over andy dalton i mean what, what's our favorite andy dalton memory from the the bengals days and the fact that he is still in the league uh is both laughable and um i don't know absurd is that the right word for this we uh we, we, we obviously see a, a Saints team that's struggling offensively. We have other questions that we're going to ask. I'm not going to dive too deeply into it. But the fact that Andy Dalton is their quarterback really suggests they shouldn't be favored in, in most games. The Saints are two-and-a-half-point favorites in this game, Lance. That's almost insulting at this point. But, um, again, this is a game in Pittsburgh, uh, not exactly a place the Steelers have played uh, incredibly well, and they haven't really played well anywhere. So, um, you, you can't give too much credit to that, but the saints, the, the two and six saints quarterback by Andy Dalton are coming into Pittsburgh as two and a half point favorites. Am I wrong on that? Didn't I see two and a half points of the Saints? No, it's, it's around two and a half. I mean, you know, the reason for that. I mean, the reason for that is the, 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 the offense scores 11 points a game with its starting quarterback. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's really it's hard so to pick a team that struggles to score and its best offensive weapon is hurt. And uh, it looks like we've got John back in. Let's bring John back in real quickly. Hey, John, welcome back. Hey, th thanks. Thanks for your patience, guys. Apologize for that. The, uh, so it's, it must be an infrastructure week down here. Um, <laughs> so there's a hurricane coming. It usually affects you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been very fortunate th this season. Haven't seen much of that yet. And uh, But yeah, you, you never know. Just got to stay vigilant. Very true, but uh, it, give us give us a quick scouting report on Andy Dalton. I, I can't imagine Saints fans are real excited about him starting. Not really, no. He, I mean, he, he we we've seen his limitations as a passer, as a as a quarterback in this league. Um, you know, he's absolutely content with you know li living to to living to play another down. I, I, I guess is, is is the way we could put that charitably. Um, he's got no issue with checking the ball down to Alvin Kamara, which, which has, has been very beneficial. You know, it, you think of the Saints and their identity and, you know, probably the face of their franchise, the, the offense should go through Alvin Kamara. And Andy Dalton has done a very effective job of weaponizing Kamara, get, uh, putting him in a position to make a play. Um, you just got to hope that that continues against, uh, you know, what, what we know has been a pretty stout uh, Steelers defense. So if he can if Dalton can continue to be a facilitator for with Camara with Chris Olave at wide receiver. I, I think the Saints have a chance in this game. I mean, is it when you're looking at this game? Is it simply? Is it that simple? Stop Olave, stop Camara, you win the game. Is, is that what 
the Saints offense is just boiled down to, like you said, weaponizing both of those players, because this is a secondary that will allow you to throw it over the top of their head. So is it just simply that is the familiarity of Andy Dalton with Pittsburgh, with its personnel, what it likes to do, plus Kamar and Olave simply, if you stop that two-headed monster, you go a long way to winning this game. Yeah, I think that's a valid take on it. I, th- I think that's probably a smart approach. Um, the Saints—they've just been eroded by injuries. They—they won't—they won't have Mark Ingram in this game. They won't have Michael Thomas in this game. You know, right now we're crossing our fingers that Jarvis Landry will be able to play in this game. So the, the depth chart has just been eroded by these injuries, and it, it's just kind of like, um, uh, gosh, last one out, turn out, turn out the lights. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's gotten pretty dire here here in New Orleans um, as, as far as the depth is, is concerned. So they do have some guys who, who can help out. Taysom Hill is someone we probably should uh, talk about a bit because he is, you know, probably one of the most consistent sources of, of positive plays for the, for the Saints offense, whether that's as a runner, as a receiver. Um, you know, I, I, I know that there, there's a lot of people who are just kind of baffled by the, 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 the whole Taysom Hill experience. Um, but the, the guy, he, he's a good football player. And the Saints have done a really uh, good job of, of utilizing him over the last month. Uh, we didn't see quite enough out of him on Monday night against against the Ravens. Uh, but hopefully they'll reverse course there, get, get him involved early and often, because I, I think they're going to need him. This is a funny stat. I think that uh, it's a good article for you. John, <laughs> I've noticed this just because the manner in which this stat happened was particularly uh, and very negatively uh, remembered by Steelers fans. Were you aware Dennis Allen, who has coached as a head coach, 45 games in the NFL, he's only won 11 of them. Two of them came against Mike Tomlin Steelers in games in which his then Oakland Raiders were at least six point underdogs. Uh, that, that is a fantastic stat. Thank, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Um, <laughs> you know, wins are so far and, and few between uh, for, or so few and far between, excuse me, for, for, for uh, DA in, in his tenure as a head coach. Um, you know, that that is inspiring. So, except, except against Pittsburgh, that's the problem. He yeah, beats Pittsburgh yeah. every time he plays. Somehow, <laughs> this might be the best team he's ever had going against Pittsburgh. He's that, needed quite- far less to beat the Steelers in the past. That, that, that's quite a feather in his cap for sure. I will, I'll, I'll be, I'll have to be, uh, certainly take some time to look into that a bit deeper. So, um, you know, yeah, you know, may, 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 maybe he's got the mojo. He, he's got the, uh, the formula. Maybe, maybe he, he, maybe he's figured out how to take care of business against the Steelers as well as he's taking care of business against Tom Brady. So maybe that'll uh, come into effect here on Sunday. If any of those games were in the West coast, I was there and I watched uh, Allen's teams beat the Steelers. I don't think I've ever seen, I think I've seen the Steelers beat uh, the Raiders once on the West Coast, and, and that was in 1995. So I'm dating myself a little bit here. But let me ask you on a particular matchup highlight a pressure matchup that the Steelers must win to have success in the game. Is there any particular guy on that offensive line that you think the Steelers will have success against? Yeah, the weak leak right right now would probably be at the right guard spot, and I say that because the guy who's been at right guard will be probably be playing center in the in this game. That's Caesar Ruiz. 
Uh, he's a third-year pro out of Michigan. He he really struggled through the first two years of his career. And to his credit, he's turned it around in, in a big way. And it, it's just in time for him to have to have to change positions with the starting center getting injured on Monday night. So <laughs> we're going to be seeing uh, Calvin Throckmorton will probably be filling in for, for Ruiz there at right guard. Um, he, he, he's a backup. He's He's been a backup for a few years now. He He's confident. He's fine. Uh, but when you look at the, at the starting five, he's the one who I would be attacking if I was Pittsburgh. I, I would I would be saying, hey, this is who we need to attack on these uh, on stunts, on blitzes. This is who we need to uh, t- kind of take advantage of here up front. So I'll, I'll be pay, paying close attention there. You know, maybe Eric McCoy is able to suit up in this game. Um, after suffering a calf injury that knocked him out Monday night, I would be surprised if he returns. Uh, but but if but if he does and Ruiz is in the lineup at right guard, I'm not worried about that so much as I am the left tackle situation with James Hurst. And I, he's someone that Steelers fans know well from whenever he was with the, with the Ravens for, gosh, four or five, I think six years. He, he had a pretty long run there. He spent a couple of seasons for, for Baltimore. Um, and and he, again, he's been fine for the Saints. But when when he's just fine – and then you have all pro players at um, at right tackle, and you have a three-time, pro, four-time pro bowler at, at left guard. That really looks like more of a liability. So I, I, I'll be looking very carefully at the right guard spot for New Orleans and, and at left tackle, I'm assuming things stabilize at other positions. Let's get into predictions a little bit here because this, this game kind of just has all the feels of – a, a, a mid-November Steelers are bad slog kind of game that we don't really remember all that much of a couple <laughs> of years later. Um, for me, I, I, Steelers can't score points. I mean, they're, they're coming off of a bye. Maybe something changes, but that's something probably is, is maximally effective on their first two drives of the game. Let's just say they get 14 points off of that. It'd be an absolute miracle. I don't think that they've scored touchdowns on back-to-back possessions all year. And it can't be one of very few teams in the league that haven't accomplished that yet, I I would imagine. I don't know how many points the Steelers can score at home in New Orleans on Mars. I'm not sure that it really matters. (laughs) Um, Can they score more than 17? Do we give them 20? Maybe 20? I'm going New Orleans 23, Steelers 20. And that that's optimistic. That's because they're coming off of a bye. And I think they they might end up with a whopping 10 points on their first two drives. They'll they'll go probably the next five series, three and out, but they're going to get points in those first two drives. We're going to see it. Yeah, I think that's a good take on it. Um, it's, it's like you said, we're, we're mid-November. The Steelers are bad. The Saints are bad. Uh, the weather probably won't be very great, so it's, it's going to it's probably going to be kind of a sloppy, low, low scoring game. Um, with that said, I, I was thinking this kind of on the same lines here with you. I was thinking like a 24-20. Um, the, the Saints' offense can score points. The defense has not shown they can they can consistently keep opponents from from scoring points. You know, you know that that shutout over over the Raiders was very very random. Um, I don't think that it was very sustainable, as we saw against uh, Baltimore. So I, I think this might be a um, gosh. What what is the opposite of a uh, an, an immovable object facing an unstoppable force? We, we may be seeing the opposite here with the, the very movable object versus yeah. the completely resistible force. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that may be what we're in in for with the Saints' defense, Steelers' offense. So I, I think twenty four to twenty is probably reasonable here. Um, you know. I, 
I don't think either of these franchises are in very good shape right now. And I think, I think that's going to be reflected in the product out on the field. And so you're saying 24, 20 saints, I'm assuming. Oh yeah. 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 I think I'll take the saints here just because I have more confidence in their offense. Um, Chris Olave is a stud. I think he he's good for a couple big plays a game. Uh, Alvin Kamara has finally, uh, you know, been allowed to score touchdowns again. So I, I, I like. I think the Saints are going to have more scoring opportunities here, and I think that, I think that they do have the personnel to make the most of it. We got a couple predictions in the chat. We got a thirteen ten Steelers uh, from Double H, and we also have a Saints nineteen Steelers sixteen from Iron City Beer. I, I think everybody has a similar feeling uh, about this game. I don't like the matchup of just in general. Uh, Dennis Allen versus Kenny Pickett. I mean, we've seen Allen do some stuff to really get after veteran quarterbacks. I'm not so sure, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett will do well in this game. Um, Cal Bear, Jordan versus Chooks, Cam Jordan versus Chooks. And by the way, uh, Cam Jordan, I believe, is a Hall of Famer. Cal will get another Hall of Famer in there. Uh, But when I'm looking at this game, you know, especially with the changes on offense, the trading of Claypool, you have Boswell Hurt, who's their best offensive player. Uh, I think this is going to be a slog of a game offensively. I like the Saints to win the game 2017. Um, they score a late field goal. Um, but I, I think it won't be too entertaining. We got another prediction here from Ali Howard Species, Steelers 27 and 9. There, there's no scenario where I can fathom the Steelers scoring 27 points unless they get eight turnovers in a game <laughs> instead of five, because the five got them, what, 23? Maybe they need eight turnovers yeah. to get to 27. 20, 23 and five quarters. Keep that in mind. Five yes, in five quarters. In so with five with a plus five takeaway, they, they scored 23 points. Yeah, so maybe if they play 69 minutes, <laughs> get eight turnovers, they can the get to 27. <laughs> so we're, I'm so I'm going Saints 2017. Our guest John is going Saints 2420. And Neil, you had what 2320 Steelers? 2320 Saints. Saints. Oh, we're going 777s here. We're going I am, all Saints. We we have a we have a unanimous consensus on betting on a three and six Saints team to beat the Steelers. That's where we are in Pittsburgh right now. And the Saints are two and a half point favorites. I mean, I you you, you just can't get past that. I'm trying to look up the Red Rifle stats versus the Steelers here. They're not generally what one would call great. <laughs> That um, sounds like him. I mean, that, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, uh, the interesting thing in this game is that there's a familiarity on both sides uh, of Andy Dalton with the Steelers and the Steelers with Andy Dalton and the Steelers have had a lot of success against Andy Dalton. So that, that's the, the interesting spice, the old Bay, so to speak in this game and old Bay is red. We do have the red rifle. And so, uh, that, that's a little seasoning in this game here <laughs> is the familiarity between Tomlin and the Red Rifle or Mr. Old Bay. Well, but, I think you know, to, to, uh, to, to John's point, too, I think Andy Dalton is doing 
exactly and only what he is told in the effort of, of grabbing another 5 million off the next team. If, if you look at the, the path of quote unquote success that Dalton has had in his post Cincinnati career, he's able to extend himself and, and continue getting paid. Look at the market he's going to be competing against Mitch Trubisky probably. So to be honest, Andy Dalton's trying out for a job in Pittsburgh next year. As far as he's concerned, logically, it only makes sense. I know people aren't going to like that, but look, they're, they're going to have to sign a veteran quarterback. And if he does well in this game, we've seen the Steelers sign the guy who played one good game in their career, and that was against them, to, to uh, multiple contracts. Bruce Gradkowski, Byron Leftwich, post-Jags Byron Leftwich. Um, lots of backup quarterbacks. They didn't sign Terrell Pryor, who I believe was one of the quarterbacks that Dennis Allen used to somehow stop the Steelers in that one game. One of the two games that uh, used to make up 25% of his entire winning resume. The Whipple uh, player of the year. But, hey, John, I want to thank you for hopping in. And, again, John, if the Steelers win, um, I, I do want a shrimp po' boy. <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy to oblige, man. <laughs> I'm not asking for any food, John. I'm not that guy. <laughs> I don't know what Lance's problem is, but we'll uh, we'll we'll talk off air. We'll come up with a payment. Don't worry. Thank you, John, for hopping on. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. So there we have it. We're all picking the Saints, and I, and I think you you said it's it best. Terrible day. I mean, <laughs> when you're picking a bad team to come on the road and beat you when every that tells you kind of where you are coming but, off a buy coming off <laughs> of a buy. A buy they're at home coming off they're of a buy point underdogs. before a i get you out of here neil because i know you gotta go um let me ask one last question mm-hmm. uh is, is matt canada still calling a plays second half of the season i don't know it, it, honestly i've said this before fans hate this but Whatever changes they make, yes, Tomlin's going to say all of these things. I know a couple people on Twitter in particular are going to freak out about this. Two drives into it when they don't see anything different because they don't know really what they're looking at anyway. Whatever big changes they make, most likely, because this has always been the case with this team, uh, especially under Mike Tomlin, most likely we are not going to know what they are. They might have done something. Play calling. It, it took people like four years to catch up for the fact that catch up to the fact that Tomlin was calling the defensive the calls. It, Butler did that for like three games, and Tomlin took it away from him when he first started. He's continued to do that. He didn't talk about that for years. You know, it, it's it's not relevant to them. They don't want to discuss it publicly, so they don't. I we will have no idea who's calling the plays, but whatever it is. Please don't tell me that you know the difference between Matt Canada calling plays and Mike Sullivan calling plays, because that's who it would be if it wasn't Canada. We don't know that. We don't know specifically what they're planning to do. They're a much different team without Chase Claypool. Now, I I am not somebody that's saying Claypool was too valuable on the team to not trade a top 40 draft pick for him. Thank you, Chicago Bears. But that's a pretty sizable shakeup for a team that really counted on him playing that slot position this year. So we don't know what this is going to look like. We don't know what they're going to do with it. Um, you know, we're, we're going to break that down after the game on, on Sunday when we have something of a better idea, but we're, and, unless Tomlin comes out and flat out says this guy's calling the plays, odds are very good. We are not going to know any internal movement that they make. Well, it'll be, it'll be Joel Friday. 
will be calling the plays. Could be. Could uh, be. Joel Friday, Jeff Saturday's cousin, will be uh, calling the plays. Uh, <laughs> or his dog Sunday. or whatever's going on there. I, I'm bummed <laughs> we didn't get a chance to get into that at all. Lance, yes, but... we'll comment on that. But <laughs> listeners, we're going to get on out of here. Thank you guys for chiming in and joining us on another episode of the new standard and with that we're going to go ahead and close the show and as always tune in tell a friend and subscribe go Steelers